0: So good, you guys, that song selection, just, man, fill this place with worship. So glad to be with you guys. Uh, Good morning to everyone. Um, My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, pretty happy this morning. I I got a really fun start. I got here, and, uh, you know, we're starting this new series, which is awesome, wisdom from Old Testament sages. I'll explain what we mean by that. Mitchell, awesome graphic, love that. Anyway, um, but uh, I had a birthday a couple weeks ago, and uh, some of the staff guys went together and decided to initiate me fully. This is actually also the one-year anniversary of of Teresa and I moving here and and jumping here uh, with Veritas, and so they decided to give me a birthday present. You guys, I got Vans. Can you see them back there? They are so awesome. (laughs) I feel like now I'm fully initiated, not just on the staff team, but to Iowa City, like the whole scene. So anyway, I'm in. I'm in. It took a year, but I'm in. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm just pretty happy right now. Kind of hard to get focused. Um, All right, so we're going to do this series, you guys, uh, for um, a few months. It'll take us actually all the way to about spring break, Uh, and we're focused on the wisdom literature chunk of the Old Testament. There's this grouping of books that we collectively call wisdom literature, thus the, the name for our series, these Old Testament sages, these, these voices of wisdom, these ancient voices that are going to come booming through the centuries and just find a real home in our, in our hearts and souls in our lives right now. Um, there's a pretty cool quote by J.I. Packer, that talks about why we gather these books together in the way that we do. So, can you throw that quote up there, Melinda? It says this, Psalms teach us how to worship, Proverbs, how to behave, Job, how to suffer, Song of Solomon, how to love, and Ecclesiastes, how to live. I think that's a pretty cool way to sum up why for centuries now, um, people have collected this pretty random group of books together and put a banner over them, wisdom literature, because they all contribute to what life looks like in the here and now in a significant way. And they all have a little bit of a different voice to offer. And so we're, what we're going to do is actually not comb through all that. There'd be pages and pages and pages altogether from our Old Testaments. But we're just going to take um, kind of a skipping… Uh, journey through all of those to at least acquaint you with those voices, to to help you so that when you do open Ecclesiastes, you do open the book of Psalms, you'll have a little bit of a a head start as to how to understand those things. So what we're going to do is start today in the book of Psalms. We're going to spend a few weeks looking at different voices even from the book of Psalms. They vary so much one to the other. So we're going to give you a little hint as to how to read through them. We're going to start with Psalm 1, you guys. Psalm 1, we call it often the gateway to the Psalms. It it seems to be um, very intentionally written as the opening Psalm for the whole collection of 150 Psalms that are going to be following. And so it's it's got a lot wrapped up into one and i think you're going to you're going to find some real delight in the words of this psalm so much so that it's so short that i'm not going to read it to you we're all going to read it together so will you stand up with me and i'm going to have the the words of psalm 1 up here on the screens and it's only 6 verses long and so i want us to be able to read it together okay let's do that how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this, Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Okay, it's so short and so rich. I want us to do it again. So, Melinda, can you go back to verse 1 again? Let's, let's do this one more time. Uh, well, that's good too, but we're going to go <laughs> even better. Okay, so let's, let's do this together again. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night, He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. So Lord, what we're asking for now is that these words would find a resting place in our souls. That that whole delighting in your word that this psalm talks about would actually happen, would occur in our souls. That we would find ourselves like hungering and thirsting for it. And when we discover it, it is delightful to us. So, Lord, um, we can't do that on our own. We, we tend to be easily distracted. We, we tend to be just slow to hear. Lord, so would you, by your Spirit, supernaturally kind of awaken us to things that we wouldn't have naturally seen? Like whisper into our souls some things that we really need, but we didn't even know that we needed them until your Spirit brought those things into our lives, into our minds, into our souls. So that's the kind of encounter that we're asking for this morning as your word just unfolds before us. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So as I've been meditating on Psalm 1 and um, thinking about it for my own life as well as what I would possibly bring to you guys. I mean, it's so beautiful in and of itself. I just thought, well, should we just read it for a half hour together? Um, but I thought of Psalm 1 as like a sentinel. Do you know what a sentinel is? A sentinel is like a guard. It's like a really wise person. Um, think of it as um, like at a gateway, maybe, and there's a sentinel standing there, or maybe better because of Psalm 1 and the metaphor that, that's there of a journey it's like you're on this journey, you're on a walk, and you come across this sentinel like at a crossroads, and he's kind of standing there, arms crossed, but not mean and aggressive. You're not afraid of him. He's super wise, and and it's like you can tell when you look in his eyes that he knows where you've come from and where you're going, and so you just can't help but pause there and take in what this Sentinel has to say, that's really what's going on, this, this metaphor of a journey and coming across Psalm 1 as, as like a stopping point to just receive some wisdom. Um, it's really important that we lock into that because we are all on a journey. Like there's a reason the Bible continues to come back to that metaphor of, of journey, of walk, of life being, you know, a movement because we all know what that's like. We walk sometimes and we feel very alone. We, we feel like we're in kind of a dark place. And we're lonely and don't feel like we have anybody walking with us. And then there are other times that we're surrounded by a great company of friends and family and delight. And the Psalms actually will talk about all those kind of things, walking through a valley alone. But then also times where I loved it when they would say to me, come, let's go to the house of the Lord. So there's all these aspects of sometimes alone, sometimes together. Sometimes the path is really easy and filled with joy, and it's flat, and, and, and there's meadows, and then other times it's scary and frightening and foreboding, and you don't know what's around the corner, what's over the hill. But often what the Scripture talks about is a journey that includes these moments of decision, these, these crossroads times. And there are really big crossroads times, and then there are those small ones, those small decisions, but along the way, we're always having to kind of stop, pause, and make a decision, I'm going to go this way or that way, or a right or a left, which way am I going to go? And this psalm comes alongside us in those pivotal moments to guide us and, and guard our way. So I thought about how, how could I come up with a human analogy, and I thought of um, if you have anybody in your life that you look to as a sage. I was thinking of legendary coaches. I thought Mark, of course, would go to Tom Osborne right away, you know, but we're in Iowa City, so maybe Dan Gable or Hayden Fry or something. But I started thinking through, like, who who would be one of those people, and I thought of John Wooden. And I'll tell you why. I'm not a big basketball fan, obviously, by my stature, wasn't really into basketball. Um, I wrestled, you know, probably that's why Dan Gable did come to mind, but anyway, uh, I digress. when I think of John Wooden, here's the reason I thought of John Wooden is because you don't have to be a basketball fan. You don't have to like UCLA. You don't have to like really anything around him. Here's, he was a coach for the world. He was a coach especially for our nation and, and just a deeply devout Christian and just spoke into a nation, not just a, a basketball team. And so I started going on this whole John Wooden little fandom this week. And uh, one, of, one of the things that I read by him, that I thought, oh, man, this is a guy who's drank deeply of the Scriptures and can turn around and teach others. Here's what he said. Be more concerned with your character than your reputation. Because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. Isn't that good? That's just somebody who's been around the block a few times and understands some things, right? Be more concerned with your character than your reputation, right? Anyway, here's what I'm saying. You come up to this kind of legendary sage, somebody that really has just mastered the path, the journey, and you pause and you let him speak to you. And so like a wise father, like a sentinel, someone wraps his arm around us here and just starts speaking wisdom. And it's like we just want to capture it all and remember it, let it guide us. Okay, so here's what he's going to do. He's going to challenge us. He's going to inspire us. And then he's going to warn us. That's the way this psalm kind of unfolds. He challenges, inspires, and warns us. So let's talk about first how he challenges us. Here's his challenge to us as we open those initial words of the psalms. Here's what he's asking us. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Okay, so like any good father, he's going to start with the negative, <laughs> like, right? He's going to always point out the negative on the front end, and that's, that's intentional. He's going to wrap his arm around you, and he's going to ask you this piercing question, and you're going to ask yourself this piercing question this morning. Who are you listening to? Who are you leaning into? Who's advising you along the way? The sentinel is asking you that, right? Because happy people, and I love the fact that this, this translation shows happy because Um, It's not so much blessed as in um, some kind of religious way, like you get a halo or something weird. No, this is happy. It's the same kind of word in Greek that Jesus will pick up. There's happiness. What makes you happy? Well, happy people do not, that's where he's going to start with something new, don't lean into wicked people and sinful people and people that ultimately mock God and His ways. They don't do that. That makes you unhappy, okay? Happy people don't spend their time walking with wicked people, standing with sinners, and sitting with, with mockers. And you guys, you can't miss that progression there, right? The, the walking, then standing, then, then sitting. Like, their counsel, their words become increasingly habitual. Does that make sense? For a while, you're just walking with them, then all of a sudden you stop and you're standing, and the next thing you know, you're sitting with them. Like their voices become the dominant voices in your ears. Because first, it's like one one scholar said it this way first, it affects how you think, then how you behave, and eventually, you actually belong. It's this progression. You start thinking that way, then behaving a certain way, and all of a sudden you belong. And what he's saying is happy people don't attach themselves to wickedness, to sinners. And the worst example, the mockers, those that are not only are they not following God, they mock the ways of God. They ridicule the path of the righteous. Happy people avoid that whole grouping, that whole path. You're out a path. There's that path that would take you that way. Don't walk that way. You'll end up standing and eventually sitting there. That's a dead end where you're going to go. No, they don't take that path. Instead, happy are those who do attach themselves to the Word of God, right? Instead, I love that verse here. instead his, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. In fact, he meditates on it day and night, this idea of meditating You've maybe heard this before, but the, the Hebrew word has this, has this connotation, murmuring. It's like it's on your lips so much. Do, do you guys, some of you guys talk to yourself? Are there, yeah, okay, I'm seeing some nods or people going like this. Um, people that are thinking thoughts so deeply that they don't even realize at times that their lips are moving and they're actually muttering this stuff, right? They're just kind of following along out loud and they don't even intend to. That's actually the word that's being used here. That the Lord's instruction is so infused in your soul and you're so kind of ruminating on it, meditating on it, that you actually start actually speaking it almost unaware. It's just so natural. It's just so spontaneous. That, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that out loud kind of thing, you know, because it's just so like right at the top of your souls. So here's what I want to do. I want to meddle a little bit with you guys, okay, because I think the psalmist is meddling with us. I think the sentinel is looking and piercing into our eyes and asking us this hard question, who are you listening to? I think we have a problem, and I want you to self-analyze. If our greatest delight is listening to the ESPN analyst. If we can't wait to wake up and get to whatever's on CNN or Fox or anything in between, right, whatever that spectrum is, um, that you're just, or maybe it's the social media thing. I can't wait to see who has said what and who liked this or that, who who's speaking into something that I whatever, or. I can't wait to binge watch the next. All these different voices that are competing and you find yourself actually like getting excited about and actually repeating back words that are said and following up with and it's so on your mind that you can't help but talk to the next person about it, right? Because that's what's kind of rolling through. That's what's delighting your soul. Here's what I'm saying, guys. Often when we get to that point where that's become an enormous delight to us, that then all of a sudden we're like, oh, wait, I'm a Christian, and first it was Ryan, then it was Mark, and now Jeff's telling me I should read my Bible because I'm a Christian, and i sort of so have to plan this year to read my Okay. Uh, you know, and like dutifully read my Bible because I know I'm supposed to because I'm a follower of Christ. Here's what I'm saying, guys. No wonder you have a hard time getting stuff out of your Bible, right? I think if that was true of a good friend of yours. If they're like, uh, I know I'm supposed to talk to you today. All right, let's get this over with. You know what I mean? Like, how awful would that be? You're not going to get anything out of that. You know what I mean? What's he describing? He's not talking about duty. He's not talking about, you better get in your Bible. No, he's saying, no, 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 no. Happiness is found in the soul of the one that delights in the Word of God, delights in the instruction of God. Those other voices are there, and it's okay to have other voices. There's lots of other voices on the path, okay? We're going to continue to see lots of other voices. Some of them are just even neutral to good voices. It's okay to fill your life with many voices. But the thing that should bring you delight, not the, uh, you know, drudgery, but the delight should be those moments that we get to actually jump into the Lord's instruction. There's a really cool proverb that I want to show you. It's in Proverbs chapter 4. I ran across this as, uh, as I was studying for this. I, I want that one on the screen too. Yeah, check this out. Proverbs 4. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't, don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. Keep them close by, okay? For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else. For the source of life, be careful what you feed yourself, right? Go, go to the next slide because that last verse, I, I found a different translation that I thought was so good. Parents, this is a, a pretty cool translation uh, for children. Be very careful about what you think. Your thoughts run your life. Wow. Isn't that good? That's the International Children's Bible of, of, of that same 423. Be very careful about what you think. Your thoughts run your life. (laughs) That's why he's trying to say delight in truth. Delight in what God is bringing you in in, in instruction. Because it will shape your whole life. So here's my challenge, guys. My challenge is find a way to delight in the Word of God. Don't, Don't just find a way to make yourself do it. I mean, it starts there, right? All habits start with just kind of compelling yourself to do it. It's okay if it's… But but find a way, get to that point where it is delight to your soul. So for me this year, um, I decided I got one of these journaling Bibles, and it has just the Psalms in it. So what I'm doing is I'm just rewriting the book of Psalms… One by one, so there's a page that has the psalm on, and there's a blank page, and all I'm doing is you know looking back, just writing it out, and I am just finding a delight like I haven't in a long time, just seeing it in my own handwriting, and then I find myself kind of underlining some things and going back. It just slows me down to really meditate on some things. I'm just finding it fun. I can't wait like to get to the next psalm, and so what I'm saying is maybe maybe that's your thing. I, actually, I know a friend. Uh, did the whole Bible like that? It took him like I don't know a few years, but he just that was his way to journey through the Bible, just a little bit at a time, just repeating. Just maybe that won't be your thing. Maybe it is listening to it. Um, you know, Mark brought up um, the app that you can have that it actually kind of feeds it onto your phone, and there's little helps that go along with it. And find a way, guys, put put a new translation in front of your face. Um, If if you've been reading the same Bible over and over, and maybe that's a delight to you, but maybe it's lost its delight. Guys, some people delight in grabbing like the King James Version. They they want that more romantic language of it, and that kind of sparks a freshness to them. Others want it very readable. They grab the children's Bible or, uh, you know, whatever it is. I'm saying find a way that you take it from duty and habit. Let it start there. It's okay. But let it change into delight. That's my challenge. Let Psalm 1, this sentinel, speak to you this morning and say, man, you you just need to be really happy. I want to bring happiness to you. And the way to do that, drink deeply in the Scripture. Let God challenge you. You know, a couple of weeks ago when Ryan was up here, he brought up um, Isaiah 66, 2, which I love. And he was saying, What if, what if this church in 2020, not just as individuals, as this whole church family truly were the kind of people that it says God will look favorably on this kind of person, the one who's humble, kind of broken in spirit, and trembles at the word. But trembles not in the sense of just fear. It's just the privilege of being able to have it. It's trembling because you can't believe you get to read the words from God Almighty. And sometimes it is fearful. Sometimes it's just delightful. But there's, what if our whole church delighted in the word of God like never before? What kind of impact would ring out from this place? Man, it's fun to dream about that kind of thing. Find a way to get excited about meditating on the word. Okay, so that's the challenge. Who are you listening to? The second thing that the psalmist does, the sentinel of Psalm 1 is he inspires us. And here's how he inspires us. He asks us this question. What do you want to be like? What do you want your life to look like? And, and in order to capture that, in order to give us a vision for what do we actually want out of this life, he gives this beautiful metaphor. Three and four say this. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams. Bears its fruit in its season. whose leaf doesn't wither. Whatever he does prospers and then the contrast, oh, the wicked are not like this. Instead, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Like chaff just blows away. The sentinel stops. It's almost like you're on this journey. Okay, you're on this path. And he stops at a fence line and he points down and, and points at a tree. I've got a picture, actually, of a really cool Iowa oak tree. Okay, is that beautiful? This actually, this image um, comes from a book called That Tree. Here's the story behind it. There's a, this is up by Dubuque. And there's a guy who every day on his commute to work looked over and saw that tree up on this fence line. You, you see these all over Iowa, these massive bur oak trees, it's all by themselves, like a sentinel itself, right? Out there all by itself, looks so wise, you know? And, uh, and so he decided, man, it captures my attention every day. So he took a picture of it every single day, just with his iPhone. This dude's an amazing photographer with an iPhone. And then he ended up starting a Facebook thing, he got all these gathers. On day 365, after taking up one picture a day of this tree over and over and over, all the people that had been following, a bunch of them, all gathered under this tree for the final picture of that tree. And then he published it into a book. I've got the, the book. It's just an amazing. So what I'm saying is you look at that tree, right? And you're just saying, how beautiful is that? So what? It's like the sentinel. Again, you're on a journey. You're on a path. He stops, right? And he just points down this Iowa fence line. Right? And he just says, Don't you want to be like that? Like who knows how old that tree is? How long has it stood guard over that field? How flourishing. It's not missing a leaf, right? It's as vibrant and alive today as it was, you know, when it was a little sapling or whatever. As opposed to this useless chaff. You know what chaff is, right? It's just the the dead cells that surround a seed or whatever and you know that's where in ancient times they would do this winnowing where they'd like throw the seeds up in the air the corn or wheat or whatever it was so the dry stuff would blow away. like you know like even if you have popcorn right if you have popcorn and all those hulls and that useless stuff it gets in your teeth it's the bottom of the bowl right nobody sits oh can i have your holes can i have your chaff you know what i mean like it's ridiculous right so what I'm saying is chaff, it blows away, it's useless, it's regard. who cares? Like when you see a combine out in a field, and it's getting all the either beans or corn, and all that dust is just blown around. nobody says, oh, you guys, let's go look at the chaff. Oh, it's just, you know, you're like, ah, you're just dusting it off yourself. I'm just saying, it's useless, nobody wants it, okay? you want to be that tree, or do you want to be chaff that the wind drives away? I'm so glad, you guys, that God used a tree here, because I just love trees so much. So I was even thinking... Um, there's actually a sequoia tree called the Sentinel, and I don't have a bunch of pictures of this because I thought I've got too many slides already. Um, there's a Sentinel sequoia, like some of those big sequoias out in, in California. They started naming the most magnificent of them, right? Because they're just so. So there's one called the Sentinel. You guys, the sequoia trees like the Sentinel, they can get 300 feet tall. 300 feet tall. They could live 3,000 years. Some of those sequoias preceded the times of Christ by a thousand years. Is that crazy? So We go to Africa. I'm not taking this whole thing to talk about Africa. I want to, but I won't. But my favorite tree in Africa is the baobab tree. I don't know if you guys have seen the baobab trees, but they're these just iconic African trees. They're just enormous. You guys check this out. Some baobabs get to be 30 foot in diameter. Now, I start, right, wow. I started thinking, wait, what's diameter? Okay, (laughs) I teach the Bible. I don't get math. So anyway, diameter isn't like if you go around. That's circumference, okay? I know you're like, he's telling us this? Yes, I have to tell, because there's other people in the room like me. No, diameter is like if you stand on one end of the tree and somebody else is around, and you could imaginarily put a a ruler, or whatever, uh, through the middle of the tree, 30 feet through this thing. That's how massive a Baobab, like you probably couldn't fit it on this stage. No, you couldn't. Is this deeper than 30 feet? Whatever. I'm saying it's massive. So where we live, we finally got a place in in Iowa City. We bought this place. As we're driving up, I thought, I want to buy that house. That's our house. You know why? I hadn't even been inside it yet. There's this massive oak tree in the front yard. It's just this gorgeous, it's like the sentinel of Teg Drive. Like I'll bet other tree lovers in my neighborhood think, oh, I love that oak tree, and it's mine. I own it now. It's my tree. It's like this just massive, beautiful, and here's the thing, nobody ever says, oh, you guys, We should go look at the chaff blowing around in Jeff's front yard. Right? Nobody says, oh, did you see that worthless dust in Jeff's yard? Nobody ever says that, right? Because by the time you get them there, it's gone. It's blown away. But a lot of people say, have you guys seen that oak tree in Jeff's yard? I promise if you ever drive by my house, you'll say it. Look at that oak tree. I pull over and park here for a long time because that's what the psalmist is trying to do. He's trying to say... What do you want to be like? (laughs) Do you want to be this flourishing tree? A a flourishing old ancient sentinel tree beckons you. you. You delight in it, right? And here's the thing I want to say about this. Long journeys require time with trees who have lived through a lot of seasons. You know what I'm saying? I want to know some trees out there who've been around the block a few times, <laughs> who've weathered some springs and summers and falls and winters. And like even that, that sentinel tree. you can see the massive burns where it went through ma- huge forest fires, and there it is still growing. It can, it can tell the story, though. Tell you what, back in 430 A.D., <laughs> there was a big fire here, you know? Like it, there's, there's a psalm that, that captures this. I'll have it on the screen as well. Psalm 92, the righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. You guys, I got to see the cedars of Lebanon one time. Anyway, and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they thrive in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age, healthy and green to declare. And here's what they learned, you guys. This is really important. It's not so much that they're still alive. Nope. Nope. It's because they can declare to saplings, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. Like trees who have weathered the storms, trees who have stood the test of time, trees that have been drinking deeply of the word of God, they've been planted by streams of living water, and they're soaking in the scriptures and the instruction of the Lord— saplings can look to those kind of trees and those trees are going to speak this kind of wisdom. Oh, the Lord is just. I questioned it at times. I stumbled at times. I got burned a few times. I got some scars. Life's been rough. Here's what I found. The Lord is just. And when others abandoned me and and when hard times came, you know what I found? He's my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in Him. I got a chance this last week to, to hang out with a pastor about 12, 13 years older than me. I know they exist. There's people older than me. And I got a chance just to be in his home and to be pastored by this guy and to hear some of the storms that he's weathered. And there's just something life-giving about having ancient trees to teach us some things about the ways of God and to teach them Some beautiful things that we wouldn't have gotten on our own. So let that inspire you. Okay, so that's what the psalmist is doing. He's trying to inspire you. What do you want to do? You want to be that tree. You want to be that tree, right? That's what you want to be. Be inspired. And if you're going to do that, that means I got to delight in God's Word today. Those trees got to be old and have that much wisdom because they kept their roots anchored by the streams of living water. It means you have to be the kind of person that delights in the Lord's instruction and meditates on it day and night. Then you're that tree still flourishing. And he ends with with this warning, okay? Here's the warning. Keep your eye on the end of this journey, okay? You have to keep your eye on the end of this journey. Here's that sentinel. He's still got his arm around you hey, who are you listening to these days, right? Just be careful. You want to be like that tree there, don't you? You want to be like that tree. Get a vision for your life. What what you do today is going to impact if you're going to be like that tree. And then he says, because it's journey, it's going to end, okay? This journey doesn't go on and on. This journey, actually, this mortal part of this part of the journey, there's actually a, closure to it, that moment of judgment. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment. That's what he says. That's how he closes. After inspiring, he says, because remember, remember, the wicked won't stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, right? They're like the chaff that, they're gone. For the Lord watches over, hovers over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Ruin. Keep your eye on the end of the journey. All the loud, boastful advice you were getting from the wicked, it's all died out. They're gone. Okay? They're not with you. All the sinners, all that company of mockers, gone. You stand alone before the judge. And then soon you, like them, gone. Like chaff. Forgotten. Gone. You don't stand on that judgment day. But the righteous, the righteous, the Lord watches over them. In fact, some of your translations have the Lord knows the way of the righteous because it's this idea of of having an intimate knowledge. He's been walking with you and guiding you and speaking to you and protecting you and, and, and showing you which way to go, right? The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He's been following you along this whole path. And it's leading somewhere. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. He knows the way of the righteous. Why? Because the Lord has led the path of the righteous all the way on a journey to a certain mountain to the cross of Jesus Christ. Every sentinel. Every path of the righteous leads us to the same place. This book is going to lead us squarely and straight to Jesus Christ. And the reason that I find that I stand at that judgment, the reason I find not fear at that moment of judgment, but the gates open and a welcome into a whole new kind of journey, a whole new kind of place where trees are even more fabulous, the tree of life, on the river of life. I mean, just Imagine the reason I know that I get to go there and experience that new kind of journey is because the sentinel pointed me to Jesus Christ, to the cross. One other psalm that really captures this, and I want to kind of conclude with this, it's Psalm 73. Check this out. Yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand you guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you will take me up in glory. Like, keep your eye on where this is going. This path has an ending, and it ends either really badly or gloriously. But but when you're guided by the counsel of the Lord, he takes you right to Jesus, right to that place where you know you have this confidence. There's no, there's no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus, and there's a welcome for me because I'm in Christ. And so I end up, that spills back, realizing where that end is, spills back, who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you, because I fixed my eye on this destination of where I'm going. And it has this kind of spillback effect that all of a sudden I just delight in Him right here, right now. It's not just because, oh yeah, someday I'll delight in Jesus because someday I'll go be with Him. I realize where this whole thing is going and He's teaching me about Jesus every step along the way and He's keeping my eye focused on that and so my delight becomes right here, right now. I'm like, oh man, nothing delights me like Jesus. Nothing satisfies me like Jesus. Nothing feeds me And and quenches my thirst like knowing Jesus. So guys, this morning, still kind of first part of a new year, let the sentinel of Psalm 1 guide you. Let him challenge you today, who are you listening to? Ask the question and and do something (laughs) to begin to really truly delight in the Lord. I hope many of you have found that, but find that delighting in the Lord. Who are you listening to? Let it inspire you. What do you want your life to look like? What's the goal? And let it be our warning. Keep your eye on the end of this journey. Where are you heading? And let it be that we discover Jesus at the end of this journey. Which is why I'm glad that even though we're in Psalm 1, Um, we're, it's a perfect, perfect, like straight line to Jesus and to communion this morning. So, we're going to celebrate Jesus Christ based on the beautiful little breadcrumbs left for us by Psalm 1. But I want to pray for us right now, and then I'll lead us into a time of communion. Because, Lord, Lord, we, at a, Just base level. We just want to be happy. We do. We want to be happy. We've had too many days of anger and too many days of sorrow and too many days of loneliness and too many days of other stuff echoing around in our souls. We want to be happy. And now you've come to us and you've whispered into our ears. In fact, you've yelled it into our ears. Here's the way to find happiness. Lord, we don't want to just uh, see these words on a page or contemplate them for a moment uh, would you change us would psalm 1 be a sentinel for us guiding us speaking to us and taking us to jesus because you know lord we, we keep stumbling around and we've made a lot of bad choices there'd be good reason to fear that judgment day but thank you jesus because of what you've done for us when you guided us to contemplate the cross. You've paid for all that stuff. You've wiped it out. As far as the east is from the west so far, have you removed our transgressions from us? In you we find peace and rest and joy. So Jesus, we celebrate you. And we find when we open this book... And that's what's satisfying our souls. So thank you for this time of worship. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.